Triumph and Disaster, a show dedicated to manly creativity and culture. Brought to you by your host, Cameron McHarg. Hey you guys, it's Cameron McHarg and we're back for another episode of Triumph and Disaster. And this week I have Chris Lowe on. Chris is actually an old friend of mine. We go back a long time ago, actually another lifetime ago when I was younger. He and I used to compete in bodybuilding up in um, in the Seattle area where we grew up, and uh, and I moved on from that when I was younger, and we kind of lost touch. And then just a couple of years ago, we um, got back in touch again on Facebook, and he invited me to to go see a Temple of the Dog show. So it turns out he was actually friends with Chris Cornell. Chris Cornell, who, when this episode comes out, passed away just like a, a couple of weeks ago. He was the singer of Soundgarden and Audio Slave, and uh, did like a James Bond soundtrack. And if you don't know who he is, I was a huge, huge fan growing up in the um, Seattle area, and uh, he was a, he was a really big influence on that whole music scene back in the day. So yeah, so he actually invited me to go to their show at the Forum in Los Angeles. And then we got to go backstage and I got to meet him, which was pretty incredible. I'm just a huge fan of his. And it was it was crazy. He was back there with his family and Billy Idol strolls in. It was just, it was surreal. And um, and we decided when we did that, that uh, we wanted uh, to do an episode on the show. And we just never got around to it. And, uh, you know, Chris is actually, he's kind of this, um, he's sort of this, <laughs> like the, the epitome of kind of the strong, silent type. He's really... Um, He's really about action and not words. And uh, so it's been kind of hard to get him to finally do this thing. And um, once we did, we really got rolling. Like after about, you know, you could you could probably actually fast forward it 20 minutes or so if you want. Basically kind of like what you do if you listen to Mark Marin and you want to get past that whole monologue. <laughs> um, the first 20 minutes or so, it's good. It's fine. It's just, But it's a lot of us catching up. But right at the twenty minute mark is where he really kind of opens up and begins to take off, and it becomes a pretty cool conversation. And um, we go back uh, a long time um, when we were younger. We used to compete in bodybuilding together, and we used to train together. He's a couple years younger than me, and we were at this hardcore gym up there, like this real dungeon gym with like a, you know powerlifting chalk and shit everywhere. Kind of a hardcore place, and. Um, Chris actually, he, he painted the murals on the walls in there and, uh, he would draw a lot. I noticed he was a really good artist, but he didn't talk about it too much. And this motherfucker, he would, he would literally, and this is literally, he would walk to the gym in the snow sometimes like anyone <laughs> lived 10 miles away. And, uh, he was like this really incredibly disciplined partner. If I, if I said we wanted to train at five in the morning, he'd be there at five in the morning. Um, which I, I really respect and anybody. And I thought that was really cool back then. So in a way I wasn't really surprised to find out that, um, that he's become the success that he is today. He's completely self-taught, completely self-made. Um, he has his own real individual ideas about, about things and about, uh, how he got to where he is now. And, um, it's a really good talk and, uh, and he's a great guy. And I think it's, uh, I think it'll be fascinating. So hope you enjoy it. Here's Chris Law. All right, we're on. Yeah, we're on. So, here with uh, Chris Lowe, who I used to know as CJ back in the day. We're at his little horse ranch drinking badass tequila and ice <laughs> with some Zeppelin playing by his horse stables on these big-ass 
cool leather chairs. This is about the most ideal place I think I've ever done this thing. Um, so, hold on, I'm gonna take a little drink here. So I was just reassuring you earlier, like if um, and everybody that listens to this thing knows that this is not ever meant to be like super polished or sharp or anything. So, yeah, man, you don't have to worry about. All right, you don't have to worry about being nervous or anything. It's just us shooting good. the shit. I'm good. Well, I mean. If I think about it, it being like some kind of a thing, but it's not a thing. We're just fucking talking like we always do. And it makes it a little easier since you're smoking a huge cigar and drinking some tequila. Yeah, no problem. But, um, so, yeah, man, we've known each other for a long fucking time, like 20 years or something. It's a long time. Longer than that. I met you when I was... I'm revealing the 16, age. 16, right? 16, 17. Yeah, I was 16 I mean, years old. Were you 16? Because... Or 17, I, something like that. I was 17 when I did that sh- that show, and you were... We were knew each other much longer. Yeah, I was like, tw- I was twenty. My first one, I was twenty. No, but I didn't come there until I was after my first one. I think I was like twenty-one. But it was the summer. I, I was still seventeen. So. I think I was twenty-one. Yeah. So you're maybe seventeen. Anyway, so what we're talking about is, I don't always. <laughs> I'm not always open about this. I mean, I need to own this a little more. I used to. There were years where I like kind of didn't want anybody to know. Believe it or not, but so we used to bodybuild. Yeah. And um, so Chris and I were. We would train quite often together. I had a couple of different training partners, but one of the cool things, like we just connected again after all these years, a couple of years ago online, but um, there's like this, there's this camaraderie with doing that stuff that is really, it's hard to match. Um, you know, when you go through something tough, I mean, I, I'm sure, well, guys who are veterans or whatever, it's a whole different level, but you know, you go through something together. You go through a lot of discipline and a lot of pain. <laughs> and, and you were like one of these guys who, um, you were always there. You were you were always showed up. You always trained really fucking hard. And uh, and I that's that's something I really admire in anybody. And so that doesn't surprise me um, in a lot of ways that years later after we we didn't talk or anything that I found out what you were up to and you're doing pretty well in what you're doing now. Do you want to? Talk about what you what you do. I mean, you first of all, back then I remember, um, and we've connected a couple of times since. Went to uh, the Temple of the Dog thing, right? Where I got to meet Chris Cornell, who you were friends with, who you knew, which we'll talk Correct. about. Who just passed last week, and uh, we caught up a little bit then, and um, you talked about a little bit about what you're doing now and how you got there. But I remember back in the day, uh, in the bodybuilding days. You were an artist. You used to draw and sketch a lot, really, really well. Like, yeah, I was. Well, if you remember back at the uh, the red room, we had the murals <laughs> on the walls, and I was the one that painted those murals. Oh, you yeah. did. You want to yeah. explain what the red room was? That's pretty that was badass the, uh, place. The violently, violently aggressive lifting room at the, the gym we used to train. Yeah, in. we had this dungeon that was literally painted red with like with like powerlifting chalk and shit all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> and it was painted red, and, and there were, yeah, there were murals. That's right, there were murals, right? It was uh, shit like, you know, muscle guys painted on the walls, go heavy, go home kind of stuff. Yeah, pain and death kind of things. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that's the way it was back then. You're cranking the death metal and lifting your balls off. You know? Yeah, it was amazing. And then, and you, um, and you were going to go to some art school or something, right? Were you going to go to the Art Institute? The Art Institute of Seattle. Which is actually a really good yeah, school. But back then, uh, they didn't have any night classes. Okay. So. And, it, you know, when I was 18, it was, you know, my dad was like, 
you know, congratulations, you're 18. Get the fuck out. Uh huh. <laughs> so yeah, parental support wasn't a big, big thing <laughs> for our generation. I don't think. <laughs> no, it wasn't. So no. you had to uh, find your own way. And unfortunately, I had to work and support myself. I didn't have the opportunity to go to, to college. Yeah. And uh, which there's, I, I I didn't plan where I'm at right now. I don't ever. I didn't chart a course to to get where I'm at. Yeah. And I think kind of having to, to force yourself to find your way, you know, with really no options as far as fallback. Yeah. Is where it, it, it led, it leads you in, in and you got to leap. Yeah. But was it, but is it, but it's something that you also like to do. It's something like, right. What? It's not just something like, um, you're, you're forced to do it and you just kind of did your best with what you had. I mean, it was, you you were still cultivating Art. your talents and stuff. Well, I mean, yeah, but you have, in the meantime, you have to, Pay the, pay the pay the rent right know? so you're you're young and you're working which wasn't strange for us back then because everybody I knew at 18 pretty much had either went to school or there, in Washington you had three choices you go to college you go to Boeing yeah or you go to construction that's exactly right <laughs> that's exactly right yeah right. yeah so I well at least from the class that we kind of came up in yeah. it was like that yeah which was yeah in retrospect part, kind of a rednecky little town. Yeah. You know, yeah. Tio, Everett, Edmonds. Yeah. It's, this is like 20 miles or so north of mm-hmm. Seattle, if everybody knows. Yeah. It was it's really working class. There's like collar. pulp mills and shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then You're kind of expected to swing a hammer or something, basically. Well, they yeah. train you to be blue collar. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You drink I, I and you swing hammers pretty all, much. All the time. Or <laughs> I was seventh grade, you know, I remember taking welding class. Mm-hmm. You know, like, who the fuck does that? But the th- seventh grade. Right, right. I remember they had that in high school, that kind of stuff, too. But this is actually a, a really good kind of point. This is sort of one of the things why I even started this podcast, in a way, because um, you had a proclivity towards being a little bit creative. You're an artist. Yes. And then when, you, when you're like that and you're a dude, especially at that time, I'm sure it's still similar now, maybe a little different, but, and you're growing up in that kind of a culture... It's kind of frowned upon. It's not really, maybe not frowned upon, but it's not really super encouraged. I always use it to my advantage. Did you? Whenever I came to a new school, I remember my art is what I got me my friends. Yeah. I didn't know anybody and they saw that I could draw. So that was always kind of an in for me. I did the same thing with school plays, actually. (laughs) No, seriously. I mean, it was like I moved to a new school and then I got into that. And, you know, that's how I kind of became sort of known a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, it always but, opened up some friendships for me. I think people, no matter what, will always respect someone who has a talent that they don't possess. You know, whether it's art or whether it's music or yeah. acting, people look for look for that in other people, the qualities they don't have. You know, yeah. But sometimes, I don't know. I mean, when you get a little older, I'm talking. We're talking about. I'm talking about middle school, but when I got into high school, what I, that kind of stuff. Didn't really fly so much anymore, you know. But maybe that's well, different with drawing. Maybe the acting stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That was always right. Fun. Yeah. That's like the. That's like the. Uh, it was like, it was the trench coat Depeche Mode kids that were doing that stuff. And there was nothing yeah. cool about that. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, but that's something that you had going for you. That's something you always did, and then. It's something I always did from a young age. It's my my first memory is. My, my father actually gave me a chalkboard like a kindergarten at Christmas and he drew a picture on it because my dad could like look at things and draw things oh well. okay well that's where it came from huh I don't know well he was 
my okay. dad is All right. my adopted father, so okay. I, I don't know where. Okay. That's my first memory, first vivid memory as a child. And something I always did growing up was sit at my art desk and draw album covers and just whatever you could. Oh, album covers, that's cool. And I had, it was, I mean, I guess that was, as far as anything else so far, it's a dominant strain, a consistent thread that's been in my life. And until I got to high school where you started taking, you required to take art classes and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't like the structure of it. I don't like being told what to draw and how to do it. Right. And I remember getting A's my first semester of art and I came to class the next morning and, and one of my one of my pieces had been altered. Like I, I was assumed by the teacher, like she touched up my picture. What? I got so upset. And from then on I fucking deliberately failed. And uh-huh. you could still go back after my brother was in high school and graduated, she would still tell tales of the talent of Chris Lowe and how you washed it away. Oh Jesus. <laughs> because I deliberately went against everything at that point and just failed art. And I got so turned off by the You know, that's I don't want to get in I this is not a you know, it's not about me or anything, but I've had I've, that's very familiar, that self destructive thing out of sort of anger and rebellion towards oh, things. Uh, it's very familiar for me, too. Despite your face. Yeah. That's something I had to get over yeah. a lot in life. Because I'll burn it down. That's yeah. my first instinct. Is to burn yeah, it yeah. I want to talk about that for a minute, but, you know, I think it might be helpful. Just I'm going to jump forward for just mm-hmm. a second, because so, we, we're, we're going way back here, but what you're doing now. Yeah. So Domain is this mm-hmm. company that you own, and... Uh, it's basically like an architectural design right. it's firm. It's an architectural basically. design build firm, yeah. Right. So we're the architects, designers, and builders. And we're talking like really, really interesting high-end architecture yes. that in, uh, in, in Beverly Hills primarily. Los Angeles, Beverly yeah. Hills. Yeah, Surrounding LA communities. So yeah. you're kind of the house builder for the stars pretty much. <laughs> in, in a sense, that's what you're doing. You know, whether it's like big agents or producers or rock stars, yeah. for example. We're, we're, uh, yes. Like we're, Chris we're Cornell. We're a young boutique, and we're, but we're still trying to set uh, our mark, I guess, in, in the architectural community. Yeah. We have really cool design, though. Everything mm-hmm. about it is... Thank you. I mean, when you go to the website, when you look at your own logo, even, Domain. right down to that. Domain.net. No, yeah, we'll definitely put it up. <laughs> Domain.net. <laughs> so it's very successful, and, you know... And it's very, you know, kind of high-profile, high-end stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we're sitting here in a, in a nice horse ranch that you live in, and uh, away from everything. And uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of things that you mentioned that you've done and that you talked about, like um, this idea of kind of doing things your own way. And you're, you're really a, kind of a lone wolf kind of dude. You're a really kind of a loner and you always have been and you kind of do things you know you don't you don't do things the way you're necessarily supposed to do no I, and you carved I, your own route I, I think a lot of that I, I, I never thought about that way but if you if I can walk back through the years and I think a lot of that has to do with maybe being like an insecure kid I come from a broken home mm-hmm. you know used to have you know, I got beat on by my mom's boyfriends, and mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 more unhealthy than you realize. Coming from a broken family, and there's a lot of kids that have it way worse than I do. But I well, I it's, I that's dude. First of all, almost everybody, not everybody, but a, a large amount of people who get into any kind of a creative field have some kind of a something like that in the background. It's kind of part of it's just what fuel it's what fuels you. 
Yeah, but I, I think that's probably when you say lone wolf, um, where you feel either like you're having to prove yourself constantly or you feel like maybe you don't fit in yeah. constantly with maybe everybody. Yeah. Uh, I was also uh, like a husky kid, so I, I didn't really fit the ideal. And that's why I got into to lifting weights because mm-hmm. I wanted to transform myself, which uh, at 14 years old, I started going to the gym after school instead of going off and fucking around somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think that at that age to actually take that kind of commitment and transform yourself within a, a from sophomore year to competing in, in senior year yeah. was a pretty big um, goal. I mean, yeah. Yeah. A feat also, which is something to be proud of. You looking back on it years later, you don't realize that at the time, but the kind of self commitment it takes, this is circling back to the bodybuilding days, the kind mm-hmm. of commitment you have to put into to actually transforming your body and accomplishing goals. And it, it is pretty astounding. And mm-hmm. it's nothing to be taken as a narcissistic kind of look or a self centered. That's look, right. But that's right. It's, it, although it can be, yeah, but, absolutely. But that's not what either of us was in it for, obviously. And no, and back then I don't, I don't think I don't ever feeling remember thinking that way about people or feeling narcissistic about it. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was the attitude. In fact, I, I stayed covered up most of the time. Most of the time everybody did. Long sleeves. I think it was more or less, it was back to proving yourself as right. your strength or what That's you right. can accomplish. And no matter, men back then and guys back then, we've talked about this before, in my opinion, were just a different breed than they are today. Yeah, and probably true age. from the generation before that and before that, actually, as well. It was almost you like know? you were required to to. And maybe that's because the masculinity was viewed differently back then, you know, which was, I know that we're all growing as a society and mm-hmm. viewing masculinity differently. And sometimes people view it negatively nowadays, but back then it was, it was embraced. It was embraced through, uh, through Hollywood, through movies. I mean, that's true too. Celebrated yeah. being yeah. A, a, a guy, but I don't know if it was, this is going off a whole different topic, but no, that's fine. This is, we can talk about whatever. Or but. it was being, you know, programmed, which is. You were expected to be a certain way, I, I think, mm-hmm. and there was a certain stereotype that depicted the ultimate, you know, a man, a male, like the '80s kind of action guy, Absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah, not just the action yeah. guy, but just even. I mean, fuck! I recently watched that one uh, Rob Lowe hockey movie. Oh yeah, Young Blood. Yeah, Young. <laughs> I remember that. Movie. I remember that. But I mean, that, that's what you're growing up with. I mean, that's Outsiders, right. for example. Yeah, great movie. I watched my. I saw my daughter and we watched that a few weeks ago. And that was the anthem of my youth, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same kind of thing, though, where you grow up with these these male stereotypes, and I think you exemplify those in some way. You're surrounded by. You don't know anything else. That's for sure. It's it's interesting you say that because I I always thought that it kind of depended on where, at least in this country, um, where you grew up. Because like I know, including sort of the class that you grew up in. Ours was sort of the we were in you know blue collar type of type of culture. And it's embraced. I think it's embraced still in that in that culture. I yes, th- you know, but that's where it exists. Mm-hmm. Not so much across the board, maybe anymore. No, um, it's a dying breed. Yeah, but this was we're, we're getting a little off course. That's all right. This was back to the lone wolf comment of how, right. if looking back on it, that's probably what led me to the, the to weightlifting to bodybuilding. Uh, the art has always been a through line, and to where I am today. Same thing of just having to strive, survive, and try to thrive. Right. So you you so t- so again. So today you're the owner of this design, this really 
high-end design architecture firm called Domain, and you don't have a degree in architecture. No. You don't have a degree, do you? No. And you're in charge of like pretty uh, impressive architects, yes. and and and, uh, and you're dealing with you know a lot of you know high-end stuff multi, and a lot of multi, big multi responsibilities and build, yeah. Yeah, and you and you um, you live out here far away from Los Angeles on this ranch you do it's like you're I don't even know if it was intentional is this is you're you are kind of <laughs> you're sort of that that prototype that you're talking about dude <laughs> unintentionally yeah I mean I, I don't think no I mean it's not like I'm gonna be this it's just who you are and uh and you've kind of you know you've you've done a very very independent route and uh like for example um Today's Memorial Day, by the way. So yesterday you had a party, and I was at this party, and we, we talked a little bit then. And um, what, was I, what was I talking about? And you um, you mentioned how there was a period, because we're going to have to back up to how you got here and how this all started, but yeah. this is after you started. And you, you were down here, and uh, you were approached to like uh, appear in a couple of like Pearl Harbor and that sort of thing. And you and you and you didn't and you declined it, right? So this is this is something that stood out to me is like okay this is this is something this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about with this sort of independent thinking. Most guys in that position would have jumped all over without even thinking about it, <laughs> without even thinking twice. But you're like, nah. Do you want to tell that story real quick? Do you want to say what? We're gonna jump around, so fuck it. It's all right. It's yeah, all we're right. jumping around already. So what are we getting? Well, you you uh, okay? First of all. We knew each other. We we're bodybuilding. You're just, you know, you're an artist, but you didn't go to school. You end up moving down here, right? Am I getting this right? You want to, you want to pick this up where I'm leaving off? Yeah, let's. I, I guess the, we started out just kind of give an overall synopsis of wh- who I am and how we're getting there. And yeah, let's, let's, yeah. So how this? How, how did? Let's, let's get to how. I'm we just got saying. It's, so I'm in. I'm guess to make it sort of a very brief full circle. Just you owning this company and being in charge of architects and doing this thing without you even being one yourself. Right. Doing things a different way. And then going back to where we started. So how did that point B get, you know, how'd you get to today, today's point B from the point A that we begun with when we were talking about training as teenagers or 20, 21 year old kids? Well, I guess let's, because it doesn't surprise me. Doesn't it doesn't surprise me based on the the discipline that that you showed me when we were training partners. Like we would show up, and not everybody did this, but you did, and I respect you for it. You would show up like if it, we say, "Hey, we're going to train at five or six in the morning." Boom, you'd be there. You literally, literally walked through snow, just like an old grandpa story, to get to the gym, like ten miles or something. It's wasn't comical, it? right? Right now when you say it, but because because yeah. you always hear the story about walking Back through snow, both uphill, uphill both, both ways. ways. But you literally did that for real. That's- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would have. I remember driving through the snow, and I thought that was a, well because we didn't have. We would push cars around in the parking lot for legs. Yeah, you did what you, you, and this goes back to I think that that the level of commitment that you have to have to actually transform yourself mentally and physically, which will which will carry with you the rest of your life. Which I know that you and obviously it did you. for you. For, this is what I'm getting at, and so this is what I'm interested so, in. Yes. So back to, you want to start at the beginning, how we came to California? Yeah. Are we, are we yeah. through how we got here? I'm going to pour some more tequila, yeah. too. I, you want to talk? I'm going to set the mic down while you talk. Yeah. Right. So in Washington State, this is, this is a couple years after you, I think, moved away. 
I was up there working, doing the construction thing, starting my, you know, going around from job to job. At the, at the time before I moved down here, I had a, a small business up there doing uh, miscellaneous construction. And I was 23. And at that point, a friend of mine called me who was actually in the service or getting out of the service at that time and said, hey, you want to move to California? And it was either stay in Washington and kind of get busy, settle in and die kind of thing, you know? Because at that age, 23 was fucking old back then. I mean, people had like full-on careers. They were getting married. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you're not really fucking off anymore at that point, you know? No, like, no one's living in their parents when they're 30 back then. <laughs> no. Nobody. So I was like, yeah. Uh, so I packed up my, I had a 76 Cutlass, 1976 Cutlass Supreme. Packed up everything I owned in the back seat and drove to California. Set, moved to a little apartment behind the beach. Uh, no plans. Just started to uh, to work. I was the I was an artist. I actually got work doing my art, whether it's selling paintings or doing murals. You know, faux finishing was a big thing. And how did you get how did you get work doing that murals and stuff? Well, this goes back to being you got to be a hustler. You got to be man. If I had to do it again, I don't know if I'd have the the energy to do it again because you don't even think about it when you're that age, but. I'm a guy who knows nobody down here, and I would actually go out and make friends, go to the bar. I'd see somebody who I, who I think is a cool guy. I'd go make friends with him. I'd, I'd network. I would, I would. You fucking hustled, man. You hustle. You fucking hustle. Yeah. And you tell people what you do, and you prove what you do, and somebody <laughs> gives you a shot. See, that's like it's so, that, I, but that's actually so badass. It's like it's not. There's no fucking magic uh, pill for this. No. I mean, I remember, because no. I, I waited tables, I, I, I was doing everything I, I had to do, and I remember, it was a, it's a funny story uh, that my friends still tell, that like, a couple came in, and I'm bullshitting with them at the table, because, you know, that's what you do, and he's talking about how he's wanted to get some full finishing at his house, and this is back when I told you the art mural thing kind of ties in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I can, I can, that's what I do. I was like, that's, I have a those small business, I have these little shitty business cards made up. Uh-huh. I <laughs> Kinkos. Him, I gave him a business card. <laughs> And uh, he's like, oh, that's great. Would you, can you come over and show me some samples? And I went home that night. And like the next day, my roommates came home. And the whole apartment was all these samples of these different kinds of finishes. And yeah. I got the job and started, you know. Anyway, I got the job and, and just was, it's, it's one sample of, yeah. of what you got to do to hustle. And when somebody asks you something and you, I didn't know how to do it, but I fucking learned how to do it because I know I could. You that's, said that's, yes and just sort of figured it out on the way, I think right? The, the, the thing is, because I've always, I have ability. I know what my abilities are, and maybe it's just the right amount of balls and ignorance. Mm-hmm. But I'm the kind of guy that can swing for it and usually make it happen if I want to. And I don't know if that's that's a gift or or uh, just luck. You know, know, that's I've talked about this before. I don't know if I have on, on this podcast, but like. That 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 sense of being sort of naive, I guess. Uh, you said ignorant and ballsy or bold. Yeah. That is actually what I think is the American spirit. You know, when people call Americans naive, there's a lot of truth to that. But there's a, there's actually, it's what keeps you from questioning yourself. It's what keeps you from it, that naivete or, or ignorance, or if you want to call it that, is like, yeah, why not? Why why can't I do that? You don't even you don't mm-hmm. overthink it. You don't mind fuck yourself. You just you just do it. Right. You don't discuss it for ten years. No. You you know so it's it's actually 
you know, the negative of it is you can be like a bull in a china shop and you can take action like that's a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, destructive, but but you get shit done that way. Right. You know? You get it done and that's so that's the that's the positive side. So that's 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 sort of what you were doing. Yeah. And it comes along with You don't stop yourself. You no. don't think, Well, I can't do that. No. That's just that not never, how we're that never even enters your, your it's mind. It's just not yeah. it's not in our culture. No. <laughs> you know? Um, so is word of mouth and you started working and doing that and how did well, that parlay time frame from 24 to not, not too long, I guess, but 24 to 30, let's say mm-hmm. I was in Huntington beach doing Murals starting my own business, doing whether it's painting and it's really slow progression. How I got from that to building $50 million homes in Beverly Hills Yeah, because <laughs> it started with murals and faux finishing like doing fucking baby nurseries you know, mm-hmm. like a mural wall yeah to faux finishing to step by step by step building these dream homes for rich assholes <laughs> 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 but during that period there was a lot of discovery a lot of fucking off a lot of making mistakes yeah this, like I said this wasn't a charted course yeah it was a lot of getting in trouble a lot of learning but through the whole, through all the bullshit, I always told myself that I'm way too talented to not be successful, and that's one thing I always believed, and I still believe to this day. That's why we had this conversation yesterday of how I I see I don't get envy of when I see a famous person or a celebrity or somebody who has more than I do. I don't get envious, but I know that there's no reason like I should be worshiping that person because I have right. the same. I can contribute and accomplish the exact same thing. Right. Maybe in a different way. Right. Right. And that's just something that I have in me. I, I wish, I mean, that's the kind of, I'd like to instill that in my daughters. You know, I try to push that of how you don't need to follow A to A to Z sometimes. Yeah. You need to be, have a constru- instruction manual. You gotta, you gotta go and get it. You know, um, it's kind of weird because I was just, a. Uh, I'm in a weird kind of transitional part of my life right now. I was up in I was up in Portland for a couple months, as you know, and uh, Portland's a really nice city, really nice people, really polite. It's, it's it's clean, it's friendly, no stress. People drive slow. I mean, I don't. I never even heard a car horn the whole time I was there for a couple months. It's nice, you know, uh, and I was happy there was that peace, but. Um, this isn't knocking that city. I'm, I'm just making this as, as an example because I really liked it up there. Um, and people are just living their lives, you know, and, and it's cool. And in a weird way, I kind of envy that, that they're, that they're um, most people are just happy with what they're doing, you content. know. Yeah. yeah, they're content. I, I just, I'm not, man. I, I, it's not that that's mediocrity. I'm not saying that's mediocrity. Mediocrity is a different thing. That's, uh, but for me, personally, I need I need to do more, or I feel like it's a mediocre life. It's, yeah, I feel like it's mediocrity. Was... You know, I I need because I feel the same way. It's like, and it, you could call it arrogance. I don't even give a shit. It, I don't care. I, I don't I don't feel like that's what. And maybe it is. I don't know. But this thing that you said, like I'm too talented to to not do it. I think maybe it's even worse to to say to 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 have something and to not use it. Right. Isn't that worse? Yeah. And this is something that that's a bigger slap in the face, isn't it? Years ago, I worked with, this is a conversation that I bring up from time to time, but it was a uh, more frequent conversation. A long time ago, there was this painter when I was painting. There was this guy that came in from Hawaii, this, this white guy from, he, he, he 
lived on the, on Hawaii for most of the time. He'd come to the mainland to work, get a kid. Mm-hmm. And he told these stories about how they he lived in this village, and the village, the men would go fish every day, and they would just come back and lounge, and, and that was their life, just this little seaside yeah. village, and they're all content just doing that. Yeah. And we'd always talk about, would you be happy living that kind of a life, just moving away and fishing and coming back? And some people would say, oh, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. And my answer was always, I don't think I would because I don't, I wouldn't be able to, it's, it's, it's never be able to see what you'd be able to do. Yeah. You don't, you don't stretch yourself. No. You don't explore and you don't contribute. Right. I mean, you contribute to your family or whatever, I guess. I just, it's just, uh, but there's, there's no, um, there's no, like you said, stretching yourself. There's no seeing how far you can go. Um, some people just don't have that need and that's totally fine. I mean, th- those people don't have that need in a weird way. I envy that in some ways because it's, it's nice. It's like, it's nice, you know, this is nice, but it, <laughs> I don't, I just, I have something else yeah, that I need to do or at least figure out or try or, yeah, I don't you know, know what that is. that's fine, but, but, but you need to explore and figure it out. Right. I, know I don't want to fucking put it out before right. it gets started. You know? Right. Right. Which goes back to that drive thing that, mm-hmm. uh, that same drive that probably led us to squat 500 pounds for, for no fucking reason besides being able to do it. Right. You know, right. I see what you can do. Yeah. No, that's exactly I think, right. I think this goes, this leads into the Pearl Harbor thing was I, I think I just wanted to see if I could do it, you know, if I could, because I had friends that were doing it at the time and acting and, and stuff and mom. Yeah. And I was like, well, fuck, I can, I can fucking do that. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> I, I went up and did some stuff and I was like, I decided to to go my own way and do my own thing, which was my business. Well, we didn't really. You didn't really say what what exactly happened with that. Do you want to say what happened with okay, that? Well, we just said we mentioned Pearl Harbor Pearl a couple Harbor times. Yeah. So uh, during that age time, that twenty three to thirty uh, frame, where we're, I'm living in Huntington Beach and building experience in my business and working for myself, uh, I've primarily worked for myself my whole life, only because I'm a shitty employee piece. Because I, I just. I'm not into building somebody else up. I always wanted to build myself up. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's a young, I think at that age, everybody's trying stuff, especially down here, whether, you know, all of my friends I hang out with are either doing modeling or acting. Yeah. Or, and this goes back to that same attitude was like, well, fuck, I can do that. You know, if they can do it, so, so can I. Yeah. So I, I got into it and I got up, you know, went up and got an agent and a manager and did a couple photo shoots and then that you know offered that that Pearl Harbor thing. You got a call. At the time, I didn't know it was fucking Pearl Harbor. <laughs> it was just a, they just said, it was, uh, "Hey, you want to do this yeah, movie? Yeah, this it's movie called, called Pearl, Pearl Harbor." <laughs> I didn't know it was it was the epic fucking movie. It was so, so you're flat out <laughs> offered basically like a little featured part mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, but at and, the time I was like, "Well, I don't want to go away for four months, and I don't want to do this." In Mexico, that's where they it was did the desert somewhere. Was yeah, it Mexico? Yeah, yeah that's right. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You can see I me. I kick myself now. You can see me in that movie. That, I'll have to put the still up. I'm sorry. That's all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> yeah, it was in Mexico and um, Van Nuys, Van Nuys Airport. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, I, I turned it down because at the time I was, it was, I was, my business was actually doing okay. You know, for what I thought at the time, I was doing my own thing, and I didn't want to go do something for somebody else. And I yeah. think it was more or less just. Seeing if I could do it. Yeah, yeah. I, that's dude. I totally. I, I get that. Um, I don't know if you knew this. I'm just gonna. I'll say this real quick. 
Because I have a lot of mixed feelings about it, but whatever. I just have to you have to own your own shit. So when I was in the Marine Corps, briefly, right. I um, well, you did four years, right? No, no, did less, did less than two. Remember. Was it? Yeah. Well, here it is now. Now yeah, the I gotta fucking let it out. Um, so, uh, I mean, I was honorably discharged, but yeah. I, it was at a period. Um, this I know is you really, hated the this is, service. You talked. I, I did. I didn't at first, though. I was really kind of crazy in the, in the beginning, it, but I kind of. Well, shit. I'll just go ahead and yeah. explain it real quick. So I remember. Um, so I went in with the with the intention of uh, going to do uh, first recon battalion, or recon battalion. That was. That was my whole thing. I want to do this hard thing. <laughs> it's the exact same theme. And I had like a buddy in high school. We used to work out all the time. We'd, we'd even put weights and backpacks and run through the woods and the trails and stuff and swim. We, we were really into it, you know. Mm-hmm. And it turned out like when I went to boot camp, I was in really fucking good shape. So much that I actually got to stay back and just guard the weapons when everybody else PT'd and stuff. They'd pick two guys to do that. And so I was really ready. I was motivated. And um, so after that, after boot camp, you have to go to a thing called MCT, at least back then. This is really dating dating me, by the way. But um, it's Marine Combat Training. And they had tryouts for recon. And it was a company of about 500 and 550 guys or so. And like 14 guys signed up. We're crazy enough to sign up, I guess. And then 12 guys showed up and five guys made it. And I was one of the guys that made it. But it was... One of the hardest things I did. They did it. It was like an all-day thing, and it's at the end of a training cycle where you're hungry and you're tired and you're beat up. It's a lot of swimming stuff. We were just swimming yesterday. I was just thinking about this yesterday in your pool, like because I can't. I'm in such bad shape now. You'd have to like hold a 10-pound weight over your head and tread water for 10 minutes and do all this underwater stuff. And then you have to do it again and again and again if you fucked. I mean, you just. I was dying. Anyway, at the end of this thing, they were driving us away, the guys who made it, in a Hummer, in the back of a Hummer, and we were just exhausted. We didn't even talk, and it's probably like a 40-minute drive back to where we were. I remember looking at these dudes and thinking, I don't think I'm one of these guys, man. I mean, I had this goal where I needed to, I needed to prove to myself that I could do it, that I could make it, and that's all that I needed. I didn't follow through after that, and I did that... And bodybuilding sometimes too, actually. And other things too. We're talking about the self-destructive thing, mm-hmm. where I would just, I would, uh, I would see if I can cut it, and that's all personally, all I needed to know. And it was for me. Mm-hmm. It's not for anybody else. I'm going to see if I can do this, and then, I'm, and then I'm out. I don't need to do anymore. I remember looking at these guys, and these were like, the guys who are in these units like this, whether they're SEALs or Force Recon, or they're similar type guys, and and they're a different breed of dude, man. And I'm sure there might somebody whoever's listening might know someone who's done this. I've known several. They're a different kind of a guy. They're like born to be warriors. There's something different about them. For me, I was proving something for myself personally, and I had to I had to really be honest and think. I'm not sure if I'm actually one of these guys. I just think that I just needed to do this thing, you know. Um, where was I going with that? With the Pearl Harbor thing or something? We we're talking about. Uh, Damn you and this tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we started off on that one. Anyway. We're talking about um the oh the the whole need, the whole need like when you're talking about bodybuilding and um the need to prove something to yourself. 
and uh, this thing that you did was sort of a need just to sh- see if you could do it. Like you were offered this thing and you just said no. Because you just, you got it. You essentially got it. So personally, for um, maybe I'm speaking for you, but you basically achieved it. And that was all you needed to do. Yeah, pretty much. But it's probably the same kind of thing that you felt um, as far as you saw who these people were that were actually really chasing it. Yeah. And really maybe wanted to make this their career. Yeah. And you're like, eh, I'm not sure if I'm one of those guys. I am also. Yeah. 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 Um, So, yeah, it went back to, like I said, at that time I was doing my own thing and I stuck to it. And I kept going, but it was a uh, really transitional period also. You know, you're young, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. And you're doing all kinds of... You had some dark days? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. not dark as in, you know, getting into any kind of heavy shit. It's typical partying, too much, mm-hmm. too much partying, you know, too much, not enough sleep kind of thing, mm-hmm. staying up night after night, doing all kinds of uh, everything you could. Yeah. But that's back, I think when you're supposed to do that. That's why I, I can sit here and at 42 now, mm-hmm. and I don't regret anything I'd, I've done. Mm-hmm. Maybe some things, maybe some way I've treated some people, but I sold my oats. I have. I don't have. Yeah. Any any problem well, looking back, wanting to think I miss. I missed out on anything. As That's far as sure. regrets go, it's it's usually about what you didn't do, I guess, more than what you did. Yeah. I, we're young. Yeah. I mean, what I didn't do is still a long list of what I, of things maybe to accomplish and, and try. But I'm talking that you get some guys who are our age and get married too young, and yeah. maybe they didn't fuck enough girls. I don't know. Yeah. But and then, so they end up having this crisis at this age. Oh, right, right. I have, the I have midlife no crisis. I have, I've... That is what it is. Usually it's like guys who uh, maybe they're a little on the dorky side when they were younger. And then maybe they succeed. They get a bunch of money when they're older. Yeah. And then, especially in L.A., dude, it's yeah. like a breeding ground for that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did you, so how did you get into... When you're doing that stuff, you're in, you know, you're young, you're doing your, your art, you're making money doing that. And then how'd you get into, uh, building $50 million houses <laughs> for guys like Chris Cornell? It's another one of those <laughs> things, just like a, a slow progression. You know, one thing leads to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And, uh, you have to show people your talent, what you can do. And, uh, somebody takes notice, you know, and that's pretty much it. Somebody took notice. Uh, I started doing, offered me a home in Beverly Hills. And you started doing what? Well, the, eventually the, these little, these little tr- Did, progressions. But didn't you say you like, you started by designing like a bathroom or someone, some for someone somewhere or something like well, that. I mean, if you want to go through the, the whole long, tedious journey of, of how, well, you get, I mean, but it started like that. And then you started actually what, like designing full on homes, even though you weren't an architect. Well, for, okay, for, let's go back. Let's touch on that because I, okay. I don't have any education or uh, formal training in the industry. I mm-hmm. had to, to my art and my drive and my general construction background through the years is what I capitalize on each one of those opportunities. Mm-hmm. So I can combined with showing, you know, getting into doing the murals, getting into uh, you know, faux finishing was huge at one point. Plasters, uh, getting into interior finishes, getting into. Uh, I transitioned that into cabinet building, into 
in small interior design jobs, mm-hmm. into large interior design jobs, into doing f- interior finishes for restaurants, for bars. Okay. And then at that, at that point, my, I did a restaurant in the beach. And the designer was from L.A. And he's like, I have a client in L.A. I think I want you to meet. Okay. Uh, you do great work. I went to L.A., met this young guy, did his house, you know, interior stuff. That's he how. He really liked me. Okay. Liked what I did, liked the way I thought. And I uh, said, I want to build this house in L.A. or Beverly Hills, and I want you to do it. Okay. So so you never said no to anything really along the way? No. And uh, I think that, that opportunity in Beverly Hills, I mean, that's a big opportunity. I mean, yeah, of course. At the, at the time, I don't, I don't get overwhelmed with anything, or I, I'm not the type to get uh, anxiety or overwhelmed, or, or I don't get stressed out mm-hmm. about things even to, even now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when they say, I have and that's saying a lot considering the responsibility on your shoulders. Yeah, but it was just like you know what this this I'm going to loop back to the bodybuilding. This mm-hmm. this goes back to always act like you've done it a thousand times before you know if I remember my the first time I benched my father was in the gym mm-hmm. I put up uh, 325 or 370 it was mm-hmm. on a bench press we were pretty and, strong and I got up and I was excited about it yeah. and my dad was like don't act like that he's all act like you've done that you know a hundred times before he's like don't ever act like yeah. this is your first time doing it and that stuck with me through any every course of everything in my life, like don't don't get jubilous about something or excited about it. Act like you deserve it and you you've done it before, and that's what I carried through into my business to today. Uh, when I go up against to get a twenty million dollar build or something, uh-huh. you know, and I go, and you have to have that mentality. If you think that you don't deserve to be there, and and somebody's giving you a chance, and even though they are, you don't ever act like that. You, you, you know you can do it and you push forward until you get it done right without any doubt without yeah. any self doubt so that opportunity presented itself and I took it uh, and for I think I was 30 at 31 at the time 32 and uh, that's a huge a huge job for a young yes. startup in Beverly Hills and that job got published around the world and got tons of attention and started out my career in, in Beverly Did, Hills. Really? That yeah. got, was it for someone who's a little no, on the famous just, side or something? No, it was just a great the house. The house itself was, yeah, ama- it was amazing. It was a great house. It, got in, it was in Oliver Stone's Savages. It was in no tons shit. of commercials. Yeah. And uh, it got a lot of attention. And that got me into a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of doors opened up. Right. I, mean, I got Who built that house? more meetings. Right. Yeah. And then I proved myself in the next job. Proved myself in the next job. And you're still, you're constantly proving yourself. And eventually you get to a point where you actually have something, you have credibility. Yeah. Something to back, to stand on. Yeah. But it's, it's, that's how you do it. And you're very hands-on with the whole thing too. You don't, you, you are, you have, you're involved in every stage of the, everything. Yeah, especially today and especially at first. I mean, that first house I did, I was in the trailer, a job trailer outside, drafting, you know, on vellum every day. And sending the drawings into the house, and I don't have a drafting background. I learned, I taught myself, taught, and you know, I built this house. That's so. fucking badass. <laughs> That's fucking badass. And, and from there, I, I knew how, you know, I want to get to what, what's the next step. And I've had mentors that are in the industry who told me, "Well, if you want to grow, think about what part of this business do you not want to do, or you do you like at least at least you like, and you'd like to have that somebody else do it." You know, that kind of attitude as you get as you grow. So. Then I start to partner or hire architects, and I start to 
you know, delegate more and more and more and, and build and build and build. Um, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it goes from a guy who doesn't have uh, a formal training, a self-taught, self-made designer, builder, yeah. architect. And so that's where I met you. Uh, we were, we've been in touch for maybe a couple years, but we, we've only seen each other since back in the old days, last November when we went to the, the show, right? When you took me to the mm-hmm. Temple of the Dog show. Yeah, that's the first time we saw each other. In, and you told me, you know, since essentially what you were doing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Chris Cornell passed just about a, a week ago or so. Mm-hmm. Is that about right? Yeah. Um, the 17th. May 17th, yeah. 17th, yeah, okay. So, do you want to talk about how you met him and a little bit about him? Well, this goes back to that house I did. The first house the first in one? Beverly Hills, yeah. Which is which is real strange saying it out loud because everything's... Circ- I mean, every one of these little steps you take in life and on that road. So, before, just to, just to make sure... So, Chris Cornell was a singer of um, Soundgarden and mm-hmm. Temple... He was in Temple of the Dog, Audio Slave... He did like one of the James Bond soundtracks. He did yeah. his own solo stuff. He and Soundgarden were basically the, arguably, pretty much the guys who started that whole Seattle scene. They call it grunge. If you're from there, you didn't call it grunge, by the way. Everybody, just so you know, we thought that was stupid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that whole scene, yeah, so he was responsible for that, really. And um, so for us, because we were actually from that time and place he was a huge he's a huge deal in any way internationally he's a, you know a, a huge he's I mean he's one of the best vocalists of of our time oh undoubtedly yeah. and uh, but particularly if you're like you know guys about from our age and from where we grew up it was even more I think it's even more so you can imagine he was a big deal for us it's, and, that, and, it's that regional pride thing I think yeah yeah and I think there's you know there's something about that sound and I'm talking about Soundgarden I'm not talking about his solo stuff or his mm-hmm. more recent stuff but there's something about that that sound that really expresses something specific about that region too I think there's a there's kind of a darkness and it might be a class thing too actually there's something there that there's there's like a an aggression an anger maybe an angst there's something there that really fits perfect with that. With, I think with it's that. something that people from Washington, especially the Seattle area, like to own. Yeah, and I, yeah, I definitely. There's uh, a lot of pride for sure. I, I, I notice the difference between people that are from other parts of the country that mainly, anybody, now let's say we're in California. There's a difference mm-hmm. between a guy from Seattle and a guy from California. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that instantly when I moved down here. Sure. And I think what you're saying about the Soundgarden thing is... is uh, is, is probably feeds into that. I think I so. I think it's an edge that yeah. you have a, just maybe, it probably exists in other parts of the country also. But sure, I'm sure it does in a, maybe a little different yeah. way. But what I'm saying is this guy, you know, he really spoke for a lot of guys our age and especially from that area, you know, a lot. He was a big deal. I and mean, long and short of it, he was a big deal, a really big deal for yeah. us. And so you got to meet him yeah, and, and, and know him. Because become, of that house I did, the first house in Beverly Hills, that I was somebody gave me an opportunity to because they believed in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, years, A few years later, or a couple years later, uh, the Chris Cornell, him and his, his family were looking to lease a place because they needed to renovate their house, and they came to that house and asked who designed and built it because they really loved it. And I got a meeting with Chris 
and which did you just was, about shit yourself? Oh, it's it <laughs> the craziest thing ever. Are you kidding me? He called back home and he said, "I'm going to Chris Cornell's house." And, <laughs> um, and at that time, he was he's a little cooled off because he wasn't doing much, right? And I remember talking to people going, I'm, who's Chris Cornell? I'm like, well, are you fucking kidding me? Who's Chris Cornell? What? And, yeah. Uh, so any, we'll get into that later. But yeah, so I, I had the opportunity to go meet him. And, and I remember it like it was yesterday. Just he, I walk in and you know he had his hair tied back and he was super smiley and super nice. <laughs> and uh, we met and you know interviewed a couple of times. And he, I think he just... Uh, either him and his wife they really liked me and you know I, at the time I was still young as far as a company but they wanted to go uh, with me maybe it was the Seattle thing too because we're both Seattle boys uh-huh. uh huh but yeah that's, yeah that's how I met Chris and that's how we started our relationship together. and you ended up you know becoming friends with him and your kids yeah. were playing together and stuff mm-hmm. and yeah we became my, pretty close my daughter and his daughter were the same age and we would go over there and you know, Sundays we'd go to the, the the park down the street on Coldwater, and then they'd play soccer and hang out, and they'd swim in the pool. And uh, you know, my brother, I introduced him, my brother to him, who ended up right. traveling with Chris for the past seven he was years, and he was with him right to seventeenth when he when he passed uh, as his personal like road assistant. Yeah. So and it, and for talk, quite a bit of yeah, photography, photography too. too right? Yes. Yeah. yeah he, he actually did quite a bit of road photography. Some great yeah. photographs. Um, that's where it started. Is there anything about about him um, that struck you, that stuck with you, or anything about knowing him at all, or any experiences? Or well, I think we touched on this. Is just we did. It's, it's almost mystical, you know, because no matter what, a guy like that, as down to earth as he is, and as grounded as he is, uh, because of where we're from and who he was, mm-hmm. there's this certain amount of mysticism almost. That yeah. The guy. Um, well, like I was saying the other day, it, it never becomes guys, real. It never becomes real. It was always never a little, time yeah. Went, never becomes real. Yeah. Well, living in living in this city and doing, you know, well, I guess what we both do. You, you meet a lot of people that are that are famous, and you meet a lot of people that you've, you know, seen around or whatever. And uh, but when when I went to the show with you in November, and we went backstage and we got to meet him. I was admittedly starstruck, and I'm not like that. I I don't think I've been like that with anybody that I can remember. And I was I was actually like. Because he meant that much. He meant that much to me, you know? So, uh, yeah, and he wasn't, because it's not like you were meeting him as a stranger backstage. You got to go into his dressing room, hang out with his family. Yeah. And he was actually very relaxed with you. It Completely. Was, it was different. Yeah. Because you weren't a fanboy just walking in and getting an autograph. No, you know, it wasn't got like to that. actually experience a little bit of him being normal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which was surreal as hell to me. And super cool. And I thank you for that, man. Who would have known that just a few months later yeah, that, I know. you know? Just didn't see that coming. So you you went to his memorial the other day. That was just a yeah. couple of days ago, right? Friday. Yeah. yeah. Today's Monday. I went I went there just afterwards. That was like, and everybody was there as far as from that music scene, right? And every single person that you can possibly imagine from the '90s was there. Yeah. And more. I mean, it was it was it was very a very strange experience. Uh, strange because. Not not strange like uh, starstruck strange. It's strange because everybody that you it's a weird thing getting getting older. Getting old to, to drag to yeah. quote the Rolling Stones. <laughs> uh, you see everybody age around you, and they're they're either you're either going to a funeral or you're going to be in one. See that's <laughs> so. that's that's the thing that's uh, different about this. I think like 
I didn't know him personally. I met him once. I mean, but that's not what it was about for me. It was about other things, how much, you know, this, this music meant to me when I was younger, but also what you just said. When I went to uh, his gravesite, just like an hour after, probably just like an hour or two after you were there, you know, they opened it up and I went there. And I was I was fine. They were playing, people were playing their music loud from their cars and there were a lot of people there and it was just loaded with drawings and flowers and stuff. And I, I go up to the grave and I had to walk away, dude. I started crying. I had to walk away quickly. And a lot of it, I think, was about that same reason, just like how it's over. You know, it's over. And just like how fast life is and you realize, oh my God, man, it's just like, there's this big era this big important thing that was so huge and important to us and and now you have people asking who he was and and uh it's just and you see all these people from um the surviving members of whatever nirvana mm-hmm. soundgarden and, and they're like kind of looking old now it's definitely and you know a touch on your on your mortality your own mortality yeah. exactly yeah and your own life and what you know it makes you kind of look at okay i'm on the way i'm going to be there before i know it as well what am I doing? Am I am I am I doing everything that I want to do? Am I have I achieved everything I want to achieve? It's it's that, and I don't think it's so much that, but for me, it's almost. Uh, I mean, it's just to, there was such a difference in the way things were with the world and with music and with our generation. Do you miss that? That's gone. Yeah, it's gone. And you, well, and that was the closing door for yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, just just more than even Chris, just and which was which was it? Maybe the weird thing about seeing all the the aging rockers and mm-hmm. and and people from that era was that it's 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 going the way of the buffalo, man. It, it's going to be gone, yeah, and it won't come back. You know, mm-hmm. these people that you knew and grew up with and and listened to and are around, it's it's it's. We're a dying breed, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And the, the the youth of today and the mentality of today, and I might sound like an old man when I say this, which yeah. is strange. Yeah. It's 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 fading. It's different. It's yeah. a lot different. No, I, I I have the same thing where I feel like I'm I'm like the old guy yelling at the kids to get off the lawn. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know, and it's it's weird. It's a weird time. It's a weird time. And that that was sort of a, a symbolic kind of closing of I the think chapter. More, or less, more than anything, I think that, that, that that's a good way. This is symbolic. I think Chris and and then the nineties in general, that whole era is so symbolic, and it means so much to our generation and, and a lot of people, even that aren't our generation. Um, and he and it's feels like it's it's, it's done. Like I, I I really I haven't listened to to nineties music since Chris died. You can't do it. No. I've been doing it on a loop. You know, one of the things that that and I've actually talked about this, like uh, an episode with uh, Daniel Friedman, I think it was, where um, there, like with this generation now, this younger generation, it's this is the first generation, I think, and at least in this last century, where there is not uh, a culture of uh, of uh, of like a new something new, a new thought a new music a new a rebellion of some kind it's actually a culture of uh, conformity yeah absolutely it's a culture of like everybody you know let's get the likes with your little peace signs and duck faces on instagram or whatever 
the more likes, the more I'm, the more I'm doing those. I don't know. It's a girl with her hand holding her boyfriend's hand picture and as she travels or whatever. Every you know, everybody does the same fucking thing, and and uh, these guys, this, these musicians that we're talking about, that was not the case. This was this was new. This is different. It's not only new, and, but it's it's genuine, and that, that's what yeah. I mean, like Chris, for a prime example, talking about nonconformity. The you know the guy was a big fuck you to the day he died to, to everything as far as conforming with the scene with the celebrity with anything that wasn't absolutely true to himself yeah he and didn't I think take part I, he didn't really take part did he I, I he think was, that's a thread through our our generation X as they as yeah. say where uh, which it rings true with me I, I, it's not something you intentionally are either it's, you don't try to be that way but it's just the way we were bred almost yeah but I mean yeah it's when I and when I say rebellion, it's not like rebellion for rebellion's sake. It's just like you said, uh, a sense of uh, being genuine and a sense of uh, really expressing something real that yeah. co- that comes from an individual place. And it makes me angry to see uh, to see people becoming just a herd mentality, a real herd mentality, and to see young people doing that. Like I said, it's just that's unheard of. That's fucking unheard of. We had, in our generation, we had these guys. The one maybe just slightly before us was punk. Yeah. The one before that would be, you know, Woodstock, hippie, whatever generation. The one before that would be like the beatniks. I mean, there, it was just, there was always something, right? James Dean, whatever. It, it, and this one is just everybody be the same. And uh, well, I find that freaky. They're, they're, it's beyond freaky, but I, this is something that I constantly talk about as far as the conformity of, of society. Uh, how, I mean, they're, they're, they're teaching, this is, this is what they want you to be. This is just like we're getting back to the, the, uh, how masculinity is, is frowned upon mm-hmm. for the most part nowadays, and, and everybody needs to be the same. I've been saying that since I was fucking 20 years old. Yeah. Watching Barney the Dinosaur. I remember seeing that goddamn purple dinosaur on TV with my brother's kids, mm-hmm. saying, I'm not going to let my daughter watch this or my kids if I ever have kids, because he's trying to tell you right now that we're all the fucking same. Yeah. And despite. Uh, you know the leaps and bounds we made, and, and obviously you know racial equality, mm-hmm. which uh, is a whole different subject. But just the fact that it's a watered down version of everybody right. nowadays, and that's exactly what they want. And they, I don't know who the fuck they are, but they're doing a good job. But there's something. <laughs> there is an ideology that's really cooking hard out there. I know. You're, I know what you're saying, including like we don't get into this too much because we could, but maybe another time but you know um, I don't I, I don't have any I want everybody to be able to do whatever the fuck they want I really do you can do whatever you want that's what I want go for it but I don't want to be made guilty for not wanting to call someone um, like some weird pronoun like not he or she but like sheer or something well, that's like what that I'm talking about. <laughs> you know it's like I, I, you know yeah, I go ahead you you want to wear a dress i don't get i, yeah, I do don't it give, I don't please be free to do that I, I want you to do what you want to do i'm not criticizing i really embrace it i really do and i'm not kidding at all i just but there's a thing where that i think you're talking about where uh this watered down thing where 
I don't know who they are either, but it, it, there is sort of an ideology that's definitely taking hold that uh, that that's watering down individuality. Yeah. And and I don't uh, want to get political, political on this podcast. Yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I have a little bit. I mean, you can. I mean, you can, I don't really have any rules, but yeah, you've talked about that. We're we're not gonna. We're a little over an hour, I think, now, so we're not. We won't go too much longer. Are you okay with the, hour and a half. the flies? Yeah, we're, we're sitting flies. outside a horse stable. Um, so there's flies. Yeah, you've mentioned how you're against ideology in every form. Yeah, anything that poses the will of man, I'm against. Yeah, anything. The individual. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's very American. <laughs> it is. That's what. That's. I mean, that's what it was. At least initially, we could. You know, this is a whole different can of can of worms. So it's maybe we can do that another time. Yeah, a lot of people. <laughs> that's okay. I mean, I don't. I, it's not that I'm. They. I. They shouldn't be pissed. I'm just. We're just talking. We're just no, talking. Shouldn't be pissed. But I mean, be. we're just talking they. about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just saying. We're just. This is just ideas. Um. But let's let's start to let's go ahead and wrap it. I think we're like an hour and a half actually, hour and fifteen. Um, I'm curious though, and I've, I asked you this a little bit. I think the other day, um, like, what do you have any idea what uh, what you want to do next, or what your direction is, what your ultimate ultimate thing is? Do you want to just? Uh, this goes back to, do to you, not ever charting a course. Yeah, because you, know? you mentioned not charting a course, but you just want to you just kind of take it wherever it leads you. Uh, or do you have a vision where you want to where no, you want to go? Uh, my only vision is is to conquer what I can and, and yeah. see where that takes me. What about creatively? Because I know you have that 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 urge in you, that fire in no. you to make to do things. It's it's. Or you just want to be free. You just want to be free and do your thing. That's a tough one to to answer because I know that. the the bullshit answer would be to outline some five-year plan. Not into but the bullshit answer. <laughs> I honestly don't. Uh, I, I, I'm I not go. saying specifically what you want to do, but is there like something that you ultimately want or, or something? Because we've talked about like this constant need or urge to uh, explore, to try new things, to, to push yourself. To create my, in different my, my ways. Next, I mean, it's, as far as the industry I'm in, my next goal... It doesn't even have to be, though. It could be. Well, this is, is where I'm at right now in, in, yeah. in the world is I've, I've, I've started this from nothing. I built it up to a position where, like I said, you have credibility and you have a platform. Um, the next goal is to get to a position of... of I mean, power is the wrong word, but... The, the more accomplished you get and the larger you get uh, as far as and just just in this this field you want you always want to get to a position of, of fuck you you know yeah you fuck you money to, not just fuck you money but fuck you fuck you, know? you power I don't want to I don't want to do that you know mm-hmm. that's what goes back to the the the, the uh, what we're talking about as far as Pearl Harbor <laughs> just, just being able to to not not to pick and choose but when you're young and you're coming up and you're building, you got to do, you're proving yourself in every possible way you can. You have to say yes to everything. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. it gets, to, you want to get to a point where you can say no. Yeah. And, and, and feel good about it and say no in a, in, in a fuck off kind of way. And that's just the next, that's just my next, my immediate next goal. You mean, and then from there, I'll, and is that creatively like, no, I don't want to do that. That's like, that's yeah. dumb idea. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that's yeah. fucking stupid. Yeah. No. Yeah. So yeah, that's the next, the next <laughs> frontier. 
but then you have the power to do whatever you want. Yes. So would you want to? What would you want to do with that? I'm not there yet. You know, don't even think about it. No. You got to no. get to that next level. First. Okay. What about other um, things? Like, do you still draw? Do anything like that? The sad thing about that is no. And Does it pain you a little bit? It's the 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 downside of. of being of of having to like it's a pretty organized successful company right now and to get that way means you have to stop fucking off meaning you have to be responsible and reliable and have your shit together Mm -hmm. so that's something that you have to learn through the years too in those developing years to where you you made mistakes and you probably pissed off a lot of people and mismanaged yeah yeah, a party dies along the way of that that creative spirit, that free form, that free guy that can do whatever he wants. And because as a young guy, that's what it was. It was right, I was the young artist. Right, and the cliche, the cliche of the artist is not really it's it's a cliche, but it's not like a, you're trying to be a fuck off. It's because you don't care, and you have to have that mentality to do really. You, and that this let's take this back to Chris because I remember Chris telling me stories about this as a young artist, where he would get these record labels coming up to him and and trying to sign him and trying to get him to do shit and he would just say no you know fuck off and he would walk away and he and he would and he would tell me he's like that's the way they come crawling you know he would tell me this shit uh same kind of thing because you don't care you're young you don't care and, mm-hmm. that, and they really didn't and as a as a creative like a real creative you have to have that and it gets you a long how do it gets you a long way but to combine with your talent it, it can if you are really a talented, a true talent. But back to my, my point is, unfortunately, I still have that, but the creative side of it, as I, even though I see all the, oversee all the creative of my company, I, don't, I no longer paint, I no longer draw, mm-hmm. and I lost kind of... I know what you're saying, actually, but do, do you think you can find a balance? Do you think it's possible? What you're saying right now is something that I'm confronting quite a bit, and I, I'm a, I, I find that to be like a nightmare to lose that completely because you have to be responsible and have your shit together and, and uh, know how to run a business and know how to, you know, and they, and they, they can conflict or they feel like they can conflict. Well, that's, that's, but can you make space for both in the same you, life? You get to that next level. Of okay. But do you to need right to, now. you have to get to that next level. Do you think? Probably. If you got, if you have a payroll of people to take care of and a family to take care of yeah. and responsibilities, then yeah, if you don't care and don't care if, you you know where your next meal is coming from you can be that free spirit artist but i see what you're saying i know what you mean to be completely free in that mm-hmm. way but for example like you know here you are you got this horse ranch you, you like to spend a lot of time on the horses maybe you go shoot arrows whatever shoot kind of, you know you, you're on your own doing your own thing in your free time whenever you have it yes would you be able to draw or paint or do something like that as well you know what I mean? I, do you feel like you can't, can't really commit to it? Do you feel like you can't fully commit to it because you have all this other shit going on? Like you, it's all or nothing. It's black you know, and white. My my art was was always pretty. Uh, you never really got a chance to see my art. We we weren't. You, no, I've seen, but time. not since back then. Yeah. I remember seeing you sketching and stuff. No, I, I got. I, I got into recently. Like no, I, no, like where I was. You know, I had some shows in Seattle. And no, I didn't know. I didn't even know that. Yeah, uh, it was more. It was on the that darker, somber side. And yeah. You don't have. You feel like you don't have room or time oh, yeah. to access it. It's not the time, but I think a part of that goes away a little bit. Like you have to have. I know. I actually know it. No, I actually know what you mean. I, I when I was in my 
this is a painful thing for me too actually when i was in my more uh most creative periods when i was younger it was like i i was in a different headspace where i was really raw i was really like emotionally affected by things easy but that made it really easy to uh to do things creatively you know what i mean yeah uh, but it also made it more difficult to be more responsible and yeah. be more active. Oh, yeah, in that your way. emotions are right off the fucking hip. Yeah, yeah. completely, I mean, I right on the sleeve. That, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it can be very destructive. But yeah. I, I'm getting to the point now where you know because I don't like to. Most of my life, I've been very black and white. It's all or nothing. It's very you can do this or this, hundred percent or not. I'm a lot better than I was when I knew you. I was very very much like that, all or nothing. I think a lot of that came from that that military experience. Actually, I think it was very, very powerful. As, as brief as it is, it's a very powerful stamp mm-hmm. on your mind. But um, I'm really t- well, I want to believe now that there's a way, and I think there is. I think there is some sort of a middle way. I don't know. That, that's that's what I, I battle with that. Yeah, you do too. Because uh, I don't I don't think there is. I I, I think, and this is one of the, th- the things that I know that touching on Chris again um, how he was always alone and, and kind of drew from dark places mm-hmm. it's your it's your kind of muse you know the yeah. dark side and if it goes away otherwise you're just dabbling yeah you're you're contrived yeah you know? yeah and you that's why the cliche, the artist cliche of being a fucking screw off mm-hmm. um, is real you know, yeah, maybe because a creative is a little more, you know, fiery, a little more, uh, you know, right off of the. It's it's on the surface, man. It's yeah, a lot more raw. Yeah, yeah. And that, like I said, getting in trouble. I mean, that's. I mean, I, I've had to go through, you know, lots of anger management, lots of jail time, things like that. Yeah. Uh, and once that curbs, once you, once you curb that animal, I'm not sure it comes back. You know. Yeah, uh, I think that there's a way. I really do, though. I think there's a way where you that does go away. You're past that. You get into this point where you're doing other things in the world, like you know, a family, or whatever, or whatever the case may be, a career of some kind that's not related. But then there's there can be a way where you can come back to it, and it. I find. Uh, I'll, I'll give an. I don't have a specific person as an example, but an example would be like um, an actor or a musician or somebody that um, um, they get sober, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult for them because yeah. they feel like, uh, you know, this whole that was part of this whole thing, you know, this whole dark thing. This is all mixed into this thing, and now I don't think I can do it anymore. And and often they don't for a while, and then they finally will come back, and they can be maybe even better than they were before. Um, maybe Dennis Hopper might be an example. That's maybe an example. I don't know. Or, or Gary Oldman is another one. He was drinking like two bottles of vodka a day or something like that. And he was, but you know, uh, he's not the fucking, you know, spitfire dude that he was when he was younger, but he was younger too, Mm -hmm. but he's back now and he's fucking great. He doesn't have that kind of wild spark anymore, but there's still. The it, thing it, is, it's, do you know what I mean? It's still, it, it's still there. Yeah, and you're and you're you're doing your best to hold it down. Okay, well and there you go. So it's not dead. It's, no, not, it's dead. not dead. Like I said, my not the dead. Of this thing, it's my, tampered down. My first reaction is to burn it down, even to this day. As I said, I mentioned in the beginning, if I get, I I can flip a, a switch and get 
the emotions are still right there. But the thing is, you, you learn how to not release them anymore. Uh, well, I... <laughs> and that's just what you're talking about. See, every, 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 but I recognize that there. in you, dude. It's all there. But you, you're not letting it out. And that, yeah. that's, I think, to, to answer your question, do, 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 can it come back and do that curated spark? Possibly. And maybe, I think maybe so. you try to, to, to release it and see what happens. Because all that anger and frustration... Channeled. Uh, the, yeah, whatever, you know, not negativity, but insecurities, whatever you're feeling, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's off the surface. It's a matter of, you're, not, you're just not letting it out. Right. But it's there. And it, maybe it takes one to know one. I, I see it in you, though. I, I, I know you have that. You're very, uh, I mean, you're very calm, quiet, you're sensitive, dude. You, and you're very together with what you're doing right now. But I, I see that that's, I actually saw it in Chris, too. In a different way. It was more of a, um, a sensitivity you know a loneliness kind of and a sensitivity uh yeah but i don't think that you say it's dead i don't think it can be i don't think it can be no admit that dead is the wrong word. it can be it's, it's there it's, it's but not, that's it's, actually part of exactly what you're talking about this a little bit of over dramatization i think it's a little bit of a it's just a lot of feeling that it's dead because you're have some have some feeling about it uh I feel like there's a way. I feel like there's a way, and I think you're going to come around to it. I think you will. And I'm interested to see what happens. Well, and I think that <laughs> this is a, I mean, it might be, who knows? I don't know how or when, but I, I'm interested. And um, yeah, you got to show me those paintings. If Maybe we can put them up on the blog if you want, or if anything that you've yeah, done from I'll, the old uh, day. Yeah, I'll see if I can dig some out and scan. Yeah, okay, let's do that. So triumphanddisasterblog.com. And then I'll have, you know, domain and your website and some pictures of some of the homes that you've done and stuff yeah. too um yeah maybe this this is probably a good time to wrap it up it's been a really good talk man glad we finally did this yeah it, it's uh not enough time I mean, it seems like we're just getting unraveled here but we well, can keep going for a little <laughs> bit but we can always do it again too so yeah, absolutely i think we should and i think that um you know i, I think that it, it, you know, one of the parts about this that's so that's so good for me is like you know, it, it's just a recognition. Like, oh, okay, I'm I'm not. This makes sense. This I'm not alone. Affirmation. Yeah, it is, and I think that I think that a lot of people might actually feel the same. I think that there's, uh, you know, most most of the people that would listen to this, I think, can identify in their own way, in their own way, with a lot of what we're talking about. There's a lot of the shit that. We've had different paths, but I completely like was oh fuck! I totally get what you're saying. I totally get it. I had a different path, but I it was a similar kind of struggle, you know. So, and an, and a similar kind of need presently to get back to something because I can't. You know, when we were talking about the fishermen or whatever living their lives or mm-hmm. people in Portland or whatever, if I. If you said, okay, you got to sit in an office and sell life insurance nine to five every day, I, I'd fucking put a bullet through my head. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the same way. <laughs> well, but it would, have, that would never even present itself to you. I mean, no, but I mean, that's fine for other people. And I, it's not about other people. I'm just saying for, I, I can't do it. And you could even say, well, you know, after hours, you can do this and this. But no, I just can't do it. I can't right. do it. I can't do it. Maybe that's Maybe that's a weakness. I don't know, but... Um, I think there's a, I don't think it is but I mean I think there's a lot of people that uh, that can kind of identify with some of the well, shit we talked about yeah there's that old expression uh, 
I'd rather die of thirst than drink from the cup of mediocrity. Yes. Yeah. I felt that way since I was a kid, dude. I got to do something. I don't know what it is, but I got to do something. It doesn't matter if it comes from insecurity or whatever. I don't care. I mean, that's... Uh, everybody that's done something, it's probably come from that. I more you times know? than not. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a strength. Anger and insecurity. It's a strength, dude. Brothers and sisters, yeah. Use the shit that uh, that got you there as as a as a as a tool, as a weapon, as a, you know. Use it. Yeah. Because it's a blessing in disguise, you know. Hey, if you if you grew up in a great and happy household and you and and you're a well-adjusted accountant with a family, good for you, dude. And I mean it. I'm happy for you. <laughs> But if you didn't use it as fuel to do something good, man, you know, and I think that's what you're doing. I and I'm really, I'm really so happy for you, and I'm really inspired by what you've done, and that's why I wanted to have you on here too, not just to catch up. I think um, I'm really impressed by it. I'm not surprised, you know, but um, I think it's really fucking cool, and I want you to uh, circle back and do a little bit more of what you need to do for yourself when you can. You know, you've you've got a lot on your shoulders, but I hope you can. You can find that, whatever it is. Is there anything that we didn't talk about, or anything that you want to say, or ask, or that I didn't ask you about that you want to talk about? No, I, th- I think uh, we're ending on a good spot right now. Cool, a little Neil Young. Perfect. All right. <laughs> Thanks, man. So that was Chris Lowe, you guys. I hope you guys liked that talk. I had a, had a really good time. We were just sitting out there uh, having tequila and cigars on his ranch, his little horse ranch. It was perfect. Um, yeah, it was it was a really good talk. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as me. And if you did, and if you like the show, you want to see it get bigger and better, if you could just go to iTunes and leave a rating and review there, it really helps it to uh, Apple to you know put it out to a bigger audience. And uh, triumphantdisasterblog.com, you can always email me, triumphantdisasterblog at gmail.com. I answer everything. If you leave any kind of a review or a donation on the PayPal button on the blog site, I'll make sure to call you out and uh, thank you by your name on the next show, unless you tell me you want to stay anonymous. So, glad to be back. Look forward to guests here in the future, and we'll see you in Triumph and Disaster. See you guys.